Praise God, saints. We want to say thank you to our women's choir for singing, Jesus will work it out. And he really will work it out. We are so grateful for everyone for joining us today in worship. At this time, I'm going to begin our message with a prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are so thankful for being able to worship you in spirit and in truth. As we prepare to receive the message, we would ask that you would open our eyes so that we can clearly see you, that you would open our ears so that we can clearly hear you, but most of all, that you would open our hearts that we may receive you. We pray these prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. I'm Pastor Kelly. If you have your scripture, your bulletin to follow along with us, there is an outline if it will be beneficial to you today. The title of today's message is The Eighth Day. Where in the world was Thomas? Saints, I know last week was Easter Sunday. And for some of us, it may seem like it was a very long time ago. But really, it was only seven days ago. Today is the eighth day after the Easter Resurrection Sunday. Last week, Pastor Rick shared a story about what happened on Easter Sunday. On Easter Sunday, we talk about how Jesus was risen from the dead. But before we knew about his resurrection, there were some things that took place. The women who had prepared spices to anoint his body were walking and on their way to the tomb. So here they are. They are walking toward the tomb. They get there, and the stone has been removed. There are two men, scripture tells us, and we believe they were angels, that were there waiting for the women when they arrived. So the women get there, and they're looking around. Where's Jesus? Where is his body? And the angels say to them, in the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 5, they say, why do you look for the living among the dead? It was at this time that the women discovered that Jesus was risen. He was risen indeed. So the women immediately run to go and tell the rest of the disciples. They leave the tomb and they're excited to share the good news. They go, they find the disciples and they say, Jesus has risen. And they're excited and we can imagine that they're, they're, they're thinking that the men would of course believe them. But we all know what happened. The men did not believe. Isn't that funny, saints, how sometimes if we would only but listen the first time, it would save us a lot of problems. But that's beside the point. So the women share the good news. The men struggled to believe. So they all went back to gather at the upper room. And that's where we're going to kind of start our story today. Because when we get to the upper room, the women are there, the disciples are there, everyone is gathered except for one disciple. Even Jesus, we know, shows up on the scene, and he shows everyone that he is risen from the dead. But there is one person that is missing this entire time. The one person is the disciple Thomas. Now we might say, where in the world was Thomas? But I want us to go back just one more time to remember that something traumatic happened on Friday evening, on Good Friday. Something traumatic happened that all of them had experienced. 
They all saw that Jesus had been beaten. They all saw that Jesus had been tortured. They all saw that Jesus had been nailed to a cross, that he hung there all day, that they took that sword and they stabbed him in the side. They saw this. They had experienced what we today call a traumatic event. It must have been horrible to stand there and watch everything that happened that day. What do you do when you experience a traumatic event? How do you respond when circumstances in your life change and all of a sudden the most horrible thing happens? Maybe you've been in a really bad car accident. Maybe you have experienced gun violence or a shooting or a stabbing. Maybe you have had a time in your life where the most insane thing happened and it's unbelievable to even think about or describe today. But my question is, how did you react during trauma? We may have all heard the words fight, flight, or freeze. Those are our responses when trauma happens. We either immediately fight. Are you the one that fights when something horrible happens? Do you get instantly angry and you, you well out and you curse and you scream and you, you just get so angry and frustrated that you fight? Or maybe you're the one that you're out of the room. That would be me. When trauma happens or something bad happens or something scary happens, we are the ones that's quick to leave. We fly, we isolate, we hide, we run because we are afraid. Or maybe you're the one that just freezes. You don't know what to do. You're just stuck. You're not sure if you should fight or if you should run. So you freeze. How do you respond when horrible things happen? That's my question today when we look at Thomas. How did the disciple Thomas respond? You see, there were a lot of emotions happening that weekend. So many emotions were happening. And I know what you're saying, Pastor Kelly, here we go, talking about our feelings again. Yes, we're going to be talking about our feelings. Because a lot of emotions were flying that, that weekend, that whole time period. And we can stop and ask ourselves, how do you think the disciples were really feeling? What were they thinking? What was going on in their hearts and in their minds? How were they responding to this trauma? Well, saints, we know that they were afraid. How do we know that they were afraid? Because they hid in the upper room. Remember that story? They were afraid, so they hid in the upper room. But Thomas didn't hide. Thomas was gone. Scripture doesn't tell us exactly where Thomas was at or what Thomas was doing, but we know he was not around. When Jesus appeared in that upper room, and Pastor Rick talked about it last week, we don't know how Jesus got in the room, but he was in the room. And when Jesus entered that room and everyone was there, there was still one missing. Thomas. Where in the world was Thomas? Before we answer that question about where was Thomas, let's ask the question, who was Thomas? What do we even know about the disciple Thomas? Well, there's one thing that we do know about Thomas. He was a man of four sentences. <laughs> Say four. Four sentences. 
Thomas is known for four verses in the Bible that he clearly said. He said four different things. Let me tell you what sentence one says. If you look at the book of John, chapter 11, verse 16, he says, and we can read this together if you would like to read along with me. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. This is kind of interesting that Thomas is here. They are coming back from a city where they knew that Jesus was going to get killed. And now they're considering going back to the same city. And Thomas is brave right here. He's like, let's go. Let's go. Some of the disciples are like, wait a second. I don't want to go. We're a place I know we're about to get in trouble. But Thomas is saying, let's go that we may die with him. So at some point in time, Thomas was a brave man. He was ready to fight. He was ready to go all out for his Lord and Savior. But something must have changed. Something must have changed in Thomas' life. So let's look at what else we know about Thomas. You know, it's easy to fight and be tough when you're in a group, right? But it's much more tough to have that same fight when your group goes away. So let's look at what else we know about Thomas. We know another thing that Thomas said from the book of John, chapter 14. This is a famous scripture because this scripture is read at almost every funeral service. So let's look at this scripture. John chapter 14, verse 5. It says, and read it with me. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? In just a few short chapters, Thomas have, has gone from less fight to being uncertain, to being unsure, to being doubtful. We don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? What's happening here for Thomas? You see, in this scripture that we all know so well, where Jesus is comforting his disciples, he's also preparing his disciples because he's been letting them know a little bit by little bit that he is about to die. We can imagine that Thomas is afraid and scared. He is overwhelmed with the knowledge that something big is about to happen in my life. Some of us today, we are experiencing some major events. Our world is at a standstill. Coronavirus may have affected our families directly or indirectly. We are unsure, we are uncertain, and we feel fear. And we don't necessarily know all the time what to do with that or how to work with that. But let's say, thank God, that God of the universe knows exactly how to help us when we are unsure, when we are doubting, and we, we are afraid. So let's look at this, saints. Thomas is afraid, he's scared, and he's overwhelmed. He may be experiencing a complex set of emotions. Say complex. He is experiencing a complex set of emotions, and sometimes we feel a complex set of emotions. We don't just feel afraid. We don't just feel scared. We don't just feel sad or alone. We can feel all of them all at once. 
And I can imagine right now some of you are in your homes and you've been there many days. You've been there many weeks. And you may be feeling tired or alone or confused. You are not alone. Say that with me. I am not alone. We're all in this together. And our scripture is going to tell us how we can begin to deal with things when we are afraid and alone and we have this complex set of emotions that we're dealing with. So let's get back to Thomas. Thomas is afraid. He's scared. He's overwhelmed. And, and so we know that he left the upper room. He wasn't there. He was so overwhelmed that he had to go off by himself and gather his thoughts and, and bring himself back around. And we don't know exactly where he was staying at or exactly what he was doing, but we know that he was by himself. And you see, what I've realized is when we're by ourselves, saints, we can't resolve anything. When we're alone in the world, nothing gets accomplished. Thomas had to make a decision. He had to get back in the game. He had to get back in the fight. He had to show up. He had to be present. And so he had to come out of isolation. Today we would say that as something like he had to pick up the phone and call somebody. He had to get on his cell and he had to text somebody. He had to get on his computer and maybe type an email up. He had to make a choice to begin to understand what was going on in his life. He had to choose to not stay in fear. He had to choose to not stay in isolation. He had to choose not to stay frozen. So Thomas made the decision that he had to deal with his problems, saints. How do you deal with your problems? You go back to where the problem was. You see, when Thomas comes back on the scene, he doesn't know anything about what the rest of the disciples and the women had seen. He didn't know about the angels at the tomb. He also didn't know that Jesus had appeared in that room. All he knew was that the last that he knew of his Lord and Savior was that he was dead. So he could have stayed alone and isolated in that grief and that despair and that loneliness. But Thomas made a choice, and you have a choice. We don't have to stay alone. We don't have to stay afraid. So Thomas comes back on the scene. He makes a decision that he has to get through his trauma. He's going to get through. And he comes back on the scene at eight days later. And he comes to that upper room where the disciples were all gathered. And they are so happy and they're telling him, Jesus has risen. Jesus has risen. And you know what Thomas' response was? Of course, he got argumentative. He got argumentative, saints. How many of us have done that? When we're not feeling good, when things aren't going well, and we don't understand, and we have all these emotions, instead of being peaceful and calm, we get argumentative. So let's look at what Thomas says. This is his third sentence in the Bible, our, our, our doubting Thomas. He looks in John chapter 20, if you would turn to John chapter 20 with me, and if you would look at uh, verse 25, and let's read this together. We're going to start with the part 
that says, uh, but, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Wow. Once again, someone is not being believed. The women said he had risen. The initial disciples didn't believe them. Jesus shows himself to the disciples. Now they believe, but now it's Thomas's turn. And he struggles to believe. He says, unless I actually put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. Why do we struggle to believe? Why do we have a hard time dealing with these complex emotions that we can sometimes have? You see, some of us think of Thomas as a doubting Thomas, and he was a doubting Thomas. He struggled to believe. But there was something more deeper happening in this story of Thomas that sometimes we don't pay attention to. There was something more deeper that was happening that we don't even consider. You see, sometimes we are trying to fix spiritual needs with other humans. Let me say that again. Sometimes we are trying to fix our soul and our spirit by going to other humans instead of finding out from the maker, the soul maker, how to fix our needs. You see, when we're in these battles and these traumas, we can turn around to our right and turn around to our left, and we're looking for somebody else to help us. We're looking for a doctor, a counselor, some medicine. We're hoping our family and our friends, anybody will help us. You see, Thomas showed up on the scene and he's looking at the women. They can't help him. He's looking at his fellow disciples. They can't help him. It wasn't until Jesus showed up on the scene, praise God. Only Jesus could help. There was only one person. You see, when Thomas cried out and he was saying, I can only believe if I, if I put my finger in his nail wounds and I can only believe if I put my hand in his side. It didn't make sense to everybody else what he was crying out. It just didn't make sense. It's hard, saints, when we're going through overwhelming emotional trauma to express what we truly need and what we want and what we feel. And Thomas was struggling to express what he wanted and what he needed and what he felt. But what he needed and he wanted was Jesus. That was the only solution in his mind. He needed his creator. And you see, when he looked to the disciples and he looked to his friends, although they were trying to provide support and help to him, only Jesus was the answer. And our God in heaven knew that. And so Jesus arrives at just the right moment. And he shows himself to, to all of the, the disciples, but especially Thomas. You see, we keep striving in this world for human answers. We keep looking for a fix. 
We keep looking for the doctors, the nurses, the scientists. We keep looking for everybody under the sun to fix our needs. But there is only one that can really fix us. There is only one that can truly change us. What did Thomas have to do in order to get that one? He cried out. He spoke up. He shared what he needed. And although those people were in the room listening, who I really know heard him was Jesus. Jesus heard his prayer. Jesus heard his desperation. Jesus heard his cry. And some of us right now, we cannot make sense of what's going on in our world. We cannot make sense of what's going on in our lives. We are desperate. We are tired. We are alone. We are hoping the government can fix this. We are hoping our leaders can fix this. But there is really only one that can fix all of us because our problems are so much deeper than a virus. Our problems are so much deeper than what we're going through with jobs and, and struggling with, with all of the despair that we're feeling. Our problem is so much deeper because our deeper issue is being without Christ. That's what Thomas was pointing us to. He wanted Jesus. So let me ask you, saints, do you want Jesus? Who have you been trying to get to fix your life? Who have you been trying to get, look at to help you and to get over? You've been looking to your family, your friends, the government, all of these other outside entities when there is one, say one, there is one that can change your life. And his name is Jesus. Say that out loud with me right now. Jesus. 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 He can hear you and he knows your prayer. You can pray right now. You are where you are exactly where you need to be. And Jesus wants to hear from you right now. Don't worry about who's in the room with you or who's not in the room with you. Jesus is in the room with you. Tell Christ exactly what you need. Share your, your fears, your pain, your struggles, even your joy. Tell the way maker, the one that can fix all of us, exactly what you need. You see, we don't have much time left, saints, but... There was one last sentence that Thomas said, one last sentence when he encountered Jesus. I'm going to save that sentence for next time. Let's take a moment to pray. Gracious God, you are the God of the universe, and we love you. We can't imagine eternity without you. Gracious God, we pray that in our doubts and our frustrations and our despair, when we are overwhelmed by our feelings and our thoughts, Lord, that we, like Thomas, would turn to you. That even after we've run away and hidden, even after we were fighting, even after 
we just stopped and froze, that at some point we would make a decision to know that we need you. So gracious God, we thank you for all of us, wherever we may find ourselves. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all your people said, amen.